0: Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. We are live here at the American Postal Workers Union, the APWU, and uh, here in Washington, D.C., doing our show. And a special tip of the hat and thanks to the APWU for, for uh, having us here. And Mark Dimenstein is the president of the union. He's sitting right here with me. Mark, welcome.
3: Thank you. Great to be here and welcome to the American Postal Workers Union.
0: Thank you. Tell me about your union. I know there's 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 also the letter carriers union. Right. What's the difference between the two of you and what, what do you all do? Well,
3: the American Postal Workers Union represents 200,000 of the 500,000 postal workers in the United States. We represent the people you would go buy stamps from in the retail units. We represent the people that sort the mail often during the night so it can get to your homes and mm-hmm. apartments the next day. Uh, we represent the people that maintain the buildings and the machinery, and we represent the people that uh, drive the trucks, and also the people that keep it all going with the information technology and the accounting side of the postal service. That's a lot. And there's a lot of proud, to, a lot of proud postal workers that we represent. Very proud to serve the people of the country.
0: Yeah, that's a, and a marvelous thing it is. So, um, let's talk about the post office as an institution.
3: Well, the, the post office is probably one of the few institutions we can identify that's actually in constant in the U.S. Constitution. Yeah. Uh, and we think it's a wonderful national treasure. Uh, it's a very uh, important institution in terms of the democratic rights of the people. It's got a wonderful mission of providing universal service to everybody, no matter who you are, where you live, how much money you make, uh, what's our gender or color of our skin. Uh, and it's there to uh, serve the people. So we're big fans of protecting the public postal service. Yeah. It's truly a treasure that belongs to everybody. Uh, it runs today with no tax dollars. It runs off the patrons that uh, use it. Uh, and while it's facing some challenges of changes, it uh, certainly has the potential to be vibrant for
0: generations to
3: come. It needs to be.
0: Why is it that, that uh, so-called conservatives are always talking about destroying the post office when it was literally one of our founding institutions? Right. I mean, Ben Franklin, as I recall, started the, functionally started the first, well, yeah. you know, in, in Philadelphia the first post office.
3: Tom, it's it's interesting. There are like, actually there are probably a lot of conservatives that do like the public postal service. For instance, in many small towns, it's the heartbeat, yeah. uh, of, of that town. But the answer to your question, I think, is as simple as follow the money. So those who want to privatize the post office, post office takes in about $70 billion a year of revenue. Whoa. So there's a lot of people that would like to get their fangs into that and be able to make a profit off of it rather than have the post office continue in the main uh, as a nonprofit public service. It's not called the United States Postal Business. Hmm. It's called the United States Postal Service for a good reason. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I think the simple answer is that, that the privatizers would like to make profit where they can. Yeah. And, of course, when something gets privatized, whether it's the Postal Service or public transportation or any, any other form of public service, uh, uh, those entities that are making a profit uh, are going to both reduce service generally and lower wages and benefits for the workers generally, which also spins off in a negative way into our
0: communities. I, I, you know, I've heard the story, and, I, and you can reality check it for me, please that one of the reasons that, I mean, going back to the Reagan administration, Republicans have been talking about privatizing the post office, is that it is the, uh, I guess, Walmart was the largest non-unionized employer in the country, and the post office is the largest unionized employer in the country. Well, I,
3: I, that's probably so it's some... giant union-busting scam, right. too. It is. It is. And, uh, you know, the, the fact is that the unions have not only provided uh, a better way of life for uh, postal workers... Uh, and our families, which, as I said, helps the communities, as you yeah. people have money to spend and can go out to eat at a restaurant, or their kids can have uh, music lessons, or join the sports teams, and so on, and, and uh, uh, so forth. But uh, the privatization is just going to
0: lower the service time, yeah.
3: and that's that's what happens everywhere a public entity is privatized. Yeah, yeah,
0: because then you've got to you got to pay for the for the for the uh, stockholders and the executives and everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, T- nice. l- talk about postal banking. This is something that you know Bernie <laughs> made kind of a keystone of his campaign, and I haven't heard it much from anybody else.
3: Well, our union is uh, working very hard on what we call a campaign for postal banking. So what you have in this country, and the post office is well positioned to address a deep social need. Mm-hmm. What you have in this country is a, uh, a fact of life that some 60 to 100 million people don't have access to regular banking services. That's
0: like a third of the
3: country. A a third of the country. And that's accelerating as well because banks are less inclined to be in neighborhoods, less inclined to be in small towns or or urban neighborhoods, and so
0: on. And when they are,
3: if you're poor, the fees will just kill you. So the the fees are killing people. So what we have is this development uh, over many decades of what we call the predatory payday lending industry or legal loan sharking. Right. And and what we have found, and there are many people have been working on this around the country for years in, in their own cities and states, is that it's the, the this alternative banking system that's preying on, particularly on the working poor, uh, takes in about eighty-nine billion dollars a year in fees and services. And the Office of Inspector General of the United States Postal Service, so this isn't coming from the American Postal Workers Union. Uh, They actually did did a study that showed the average person that makes $25,000 a year that gets stuck in this predatory lending industry, payday lending, check cash and pawn shops and so on and so forth, spends $2,400 a year in fees and services. That's 10 percent. That's why it's such such a profitable industry. So now here we have a United States Postal Service publicly in the public domain, public servants, accountable to the people trusted like no other agency is is trusted in in, in the post office. Uh, That's in every town, 33,000 post offices. Mm -hmm. Why can't the post office, as they have done in the past, uh, why can't the post office basically establish uh, a public option for banking? Now, it's done all over the world.
0: Yeah. I I lived in Germany in the 80s, and you you could do... Basic banking stuff. Basic banking.
3: Office. And actually, the post office still today does some financial services, yeah, such money as orders. money orders. Yeah. And we would like to see that expanded. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no reason why the post office can't do paycheck cashing and people don't get ripped off just pass, just cashing their paycheck. There's no reason that they can't put uh, have some kind of low-fee debit cards, uh, no-fee um, ATMs, money transfers, yeah. both domestically Internationally, So we're part of a, uh, a national campaign for postal banking, although when we say postal banking, we're really talking about, at least in this moment, some expanded financial services. We think it would be great for the people of the country. It would serve a real social need. It would be great for the post office because the post office is there to serve the people and bind the people together and this is another great way to do it.
2: Right.
3: And we have a website, we meaning the campaign for postal banking for for, for your listeners who are interested it's called campaignforpostalbanking.org and it's a coalition of 18 or 20 national groups working on this. That's great. she the four
0: is spelled out F O R
3: so F
0: O R public banking.org for
3: postal banking. Postal banking. Postal banking. Campaign, campaign for, for postal, postal banking.org.
0: Banking. Yeah. That's great. That is great. You, and, and by
3: the way Tom every time somebody hears about this, they think it's a great idea. Now, we don't talk to big-time banking CEOs. They may not think it's such a great <laughs> yeah, idea. They don't but the, the, the people on the street, the people we talk to in, in the workplaces, and our own members would really love to Do provide that kind of service. Do we in Congress for this? Yes. Uh, Senator uh, Warren, Mm-hmm. Uh, from Massachusetts is, is a big champion. Uh, Senator Brown of uh, of, um, Brown of, Ohio. of Ohio, and of course Senator Sanders has been uh, very keen on this uh, issue as well. And, I, and I'm sure there's many more. Right. But those
0: those are the most notable. We're hitting a break. Mark Dimonstein, the president of the American Postal Workers Union, with us, and we're broadcasting
2: live from the American Postal Workers Union. We'll be back. <laughs> This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be back with the American Postal Workers Union right after this.
0: When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X chair want you to feel the X chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free foot if you use the promo code TOM. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my ex-chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom as xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom.com, and be sure to use THOM in, as the promo code for your $100 discount. And welcome back. Mark Dimenstein still with us. And, and you're, I, I just have to say, you are great. I mean, this this union, the work that you guys do, it is uh, to, to have a union that is genuinely progressive and, you know, generally, genuinely supporting progressive ideas and causes. You know, not all unions do that, and I think it's, I mean, many do, but it's, it's just, it's great. Um, other issues. I've got, you know, vote by mail, your support for the Bernie campaign, uh, you know, the conversations about Trump we can talk about. Where would you like to start with that?
3: Well, that's quite a list.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I think we are in a tough political moment mm. in this country. Yeah. Uh, for working people, Uh, not just for those represented in unions, but uh, all working people. Uh, I think the uh, corporate America, if you'd like to call it that, the Wall Streeters are having too much say and sway. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this new tax bill, the budget conversations point to that. I mean, here you have a tax bill that's not popular amongst the people of the country. Mm -hmm. The majority of the people of the country are not happy with what's happening. And yet you have... uh, Uh, those in charge of Congress, pushing through it. It's a direct transfer of wealth from us, the people that do the work, the 99% of us, into the corporate coffers. So you have just a tax break that's going to take a corporate tax rate from 35% to 20%
0: when corporations are on average are paying 17 or 18% right now. So what, they go to 3%, we are paying them? At that on
3: average, <laughs> and we have a tax structure set up over many years, really by both of these political parties, where some of these corporations never pay taxes. It was striking a few years ago, General Electric Company made $14 billion in profit and paid zero in taxes. In fact, they got refunds. So, you know, this that money's going to come from somewhere, and it's going to come off the backs of the people, if they indeed go through with this uh, uh, tax bill, it's not a reform bill, they call it that, it's not a jobs bill. We've been through the trickle-down economic right. process during the Reagan years, and it's 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 just a hoax. So if this tax, uh, if these tax bills pass, we're going to have to get ready as the people of this country to fight to save Social Security and Medicare, because that's what's coming next. Yeah. The, well, they the, the Congress that. is going to say, hey, we don't have the money. Yeah. but they're just draining the coffers that can serve the uh, people on needed social programs. And so it's, it's certainly a difficult time. Now, in our union, Tom, just like every union, we represent people through the entire political spectrum. We've got people that are Democrats, we've got people that are Republicans, we've got people that are independents, we've got people that are socialists, we've got people that are libertarians, right? And so we encourage our members, and this union tries to look at the issues Uh, not the individuals as as much. We have plenty of people that supported uh, Trump in the election. We believe they supported Trump because people were tired of the status quo and the business as usual, and I'm one of those people that are tired of the status quo and business as usual, and that's why our executive board supported the Bernie Sanders campaign. Uh, But people will learn uh, that our problems in the world are not going to be solved by corrupt billionaires of any political party, and we're going to have to solve our problems through a... A movement. So we like to talk about the issues, whether it's Medicare for All, whether it's defense, not just defense of Social Security, but expanding
0: Social Security. Right. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment with Mark Demonstein, president of the American Postal Workers Union. Stick around. We're back with President Dimenstein, uh, Mark Dimenstein, the president of the American Postal Workers Union. Uh, we were just uh, just talking about the, the union. Uh, supporting postal banking and supporting uh, the Bernie campaign. Actually, uh, that, that you guys and and I, I was telling you we uh, before we went on the air the story of you know I lived down in this in this marina here in D.C. and a uh, lot of a lot of military guys down there and I knew several who were big Bernie supporters during the primary who ultimately voted for Trump. Um, did you see that kind of dynamic in in your among your membership and if so? what's up with this
3: well yes we, we we did and I think your own experience underscores that people were ready for change hmm. they were tired of politics as usual they were tired of candidates representing Goldman Sachs and the Wall Street fat cats uh, and they were going to vote for change and I think once the Bernie Sanders campaign was moved aside and he was not the nominee and by the way we didn't have any illusions that one person is going to be able to solve our problems as good as that one person might be. Right. We, we believed that one of the strengths of the Sanders campaign is we talked about a building a movement to make change. Uh, but once Sanders was moved aside, uh, that opened the door, in my view, for uh, somebody like Trump, who was talking on the issues, hadn't been there like Bernie had been there, Bernie mm-hmm. Sanders had been there on the issues, whether it was trade, yeah. right? And, and in many ways, primarily trade. Uh, and NAFTA and and the cost of the manufacturing base of this country. It opened the door for um, someone like Trump to become president of of the United States. We have many Republican members who came to me during the uh, whole political season and said, you know, I'm a proud Republican. And we look at that as a strength in our union. We represent people, as I said, across the entire political spectrum. Uh, But they said, uh, Bernie Sanders is talking my language. Mm. It makes sense to me. Let's go build rebuild the infrastructure of the country right. with real public money and good paying union jobs and, and so on. Why shouldn't people have college education, tuition paid? People think one of the great things about the Bernie campaign, if I can divert on it. Feel free. Is he was aspirational. Hmm. He gave it wasn't just, oh, we can't win that, oh, we need a little piece of it. it said, we deserve that. So in that sense, he uplifted
0: like John how Kennedy workers
3: feel about himself. You know, I'm wearing a button that says workers deserve respect. Yeah. And part of respect is to have health care for all and to have college tuition for all. And we can win those things. My mother, who grew up in New York City, went to Hunter College, paid for by the taxpayers. She went to Hunter College for free. It's not
0: impossible. Yeah. Well, my dad went to college. I mean he didn't graduate ultimately because my mom got pregnant with me and he had to drop out. It's all your fault. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> he ended up working in a tool and die shop for 40 years, but, but it was on the GI Bill. And what exactly. we know from the GI Bill, and Louise's father, he actually graduated and became a lawyer and became the assistant attorney general for the state of Michigan on the GI Bill. The GI neither Bill. of them paid a penny for their education. In fact, they both got a stipend. And what we know now is for every dollar invested in the GI Bill, we got seven additional dollars in tax revenue right. over the 40-year lifespan of the working people that we wouldn't have gotten had they had lower paying jobs because they didn't have an education.
3: And that's a good example of the importance of the public good. Yeah, yeah. It really was the the
0: public good. And to have a union talking about that, that is uh, Medicare for all. Uh, Oh, Actually, before we get to that, I'm curious, you you, you mentioned earlier uh, before we got on the air that uh, you guys have uh, worked with the Canadian Postal Workers Union over the
3: or? years. We have that's right, and and they, they have, all have Medicare for all.
0: <laughs> they they <laughs> have Medicare
3: for all. Now they had to, you know, the Canadian people had to fight and win it. It's different province by province. There are some differences, but basically they have a single payer Medicare for all healthcare system. And over the years, as we've interacted with our, our postal worker counterparts uh, in the Canadian Union of Postal Workers, uh, we've talked to them about their experience with the Canadian health care system. And we we were very struck during this whole debate on health care over the last year that neither the Democrats or the Republicans really talked about the experience north of the border. It was, we got to defend the Affordable Care Act, and there's some things worth defending, but there are also some serious problems. Or, and that was the Democratic Party position, or the Republican Party position says, oh, we're going to basically drive everybody off the health insurance rolls and make things worse. But it was a day, and much worse. But it was a debate debate between bad and worse. Very few people were talking about what we really need. Mm. And here we have this experience where people could cradle to grave coverage, full choice of physician, and people never see a bill. They pay a small tax. The corporations pay a small tax. Uh, and it's a, it's, it's a wonderful health care system. And people say, ah, everybody's got to wait in line for this and that. Heck, I wait four months to get appointments with my specialist. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there are things that if they're not urgent, you may wait a little while. Sure. But I'd rather trade that off to not have to choose or not have people have to choose between medicine and food, health care and housing. And that's what happens to millions and millions of people in this country. And it's, and it's, and it's getting worse here. Now, our people have health insurance because they're union-represented. But even postal workers are paying higher and higher premiums. We have all our deductibles. We all have our co-pays. We have all the co-insurance. And at the end of the day, we're paying thousands and thousands of dollars more than we would if we had single-payer yeah. uh, health care. So we're, we're very pleased to see that you know uh, Bernie Sanders has a new bill that 17 senators have signed on to. I think it's Senate Bill 1804. I think we'll talk about that more later in the show. So we're, uh, you know, the people of this country
0: do support Medicare for All, and that's a good thing. Amen. Mark Dimenstein, the president of the American Postal Workers Union. We'll be back. We're going to pick up some of your phone calls after the
4: break.
2: You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. And I'll be back with your calls after the break. This is the Tom Hartman Program.
0: Welcome back to the second hour of our program, broadcasting live from the American Postal Workers Union, APWU, uh, the website APWU.org, by the way, I should mention. And with me is Judy Beard, the legislative and political director of the APWU. Do you refer to it as the APWU or as the Postal Workers Union? Is there a slang that you
1: Postal Workers.
0: Yeah, Postal Workers. There you go. So, so Judy, tell us, tell us first of all about you and your job, what, what you do here.
1: I have a very very interesting job. Uh, It is to educate our membership on the legislative issues that's currently being uh, discussed in Congress as well as what they can do to impact the decision of the members of Congress.
0: And so what are the uh, issues that you feel are most important? vote by mail is a big one for you right
1: now. Vote by mail is uh, one of the most important issues that we should think about on a long-term basis because um, we elect people right now through a system that is unfair because people work. They can't get off work to go vote in many, many cases. Uh, the car could break down, they could have an emergency, uh, the voting poll places could be you know, out of reach, and we should have vote by mail. Yeah, It's the fairest way to, you know, the, our democratic process would work.
0: Right, and one of the slick little tricks for voter suppression that they use these days is putting into poor neighborhoods or uh, minority neighborhoods the crappiest voting machines, the, the, the old clunkers, and half the time they don't even... I mean, a friend of mine, Garland Gilchrist, is running for the uh, city clerk in Detroit, and and uh, you know they're doing a recount right now, and they just opened one of the boxes. There was nothing. I mean, you know, some of those machines are just not even counting. And I, I forgive the
1: not only tangential
0: that, rant, but you know, it's,
1: people go out to vote and stand in very very long lines, right. and you know they yeah. can't stand in those lines that long because some of them may be sick. Some yeah. of them, children may be home, and they had to rush home to their babysitter. So the fairest way is vote by mail, and it, it, it works. Uh, in Washington State, in Colorado, in Oregon, they have vote by mail. Yeah. And I've it's all it. elections yeah. are vote by mail. And the ballot comes to the home. You sit down, relax, you vote, you mail it back. And the postal office is one of the safest and trusted uh, institutions that there is. So vote by mail.
0: Are there, are there any real champions for that in Congress right now? Uh, People that we should be encouraging?
1: There are two uh, bills currently. Um, the Senate bill is 1231. Uh, the House bill is 2669. And there are real champions up there for a vote by mail. Bernie Sanders is one of them. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. So, And other other issues, uh, postal banking is a big Postal
1: one. banking is also something that is needed uh, to help uh, working families. Mm-hmm. Uh, many banks are in what we call um, deserts, bank deserts, mm-hmm. because within a 10-mile radius of their home, there's no bank. Mm-hmm. And not having a bank, uh, you are forced to go to these pay lenders and pay high prices for cash and checks. Mm-hmm. So no one should have to do that out of their, uh, the little paycheck that they get.
0: Yeah, yeah I absolutely agree, and, and it's, it's something that other countries do. Um, the tax bill, the budget, all this stuff, or is there uh, on your list? <laughs> we'll follow yours. What, what, what other issues are you telling your members about?
1: Uh, we're uh, encouraging our members to pay attention to what's going on in Congress. Uh, with the tax bill, uh, you know, we don't know what is going to come out of conference. Uh, and, you know, we know that those, the tax bills is for the rich and it's not for us. And we know that, you know, those who might get a little tax break, the, the middle class that might get a tax break, it's going to end in 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the rich is going to just, get, their tax break is going to continue forever. Yeah. So we have to watch who we elect and then uh, watch what they do in Congress. And when we're dissatisfied, we need to pick up the phone and call them or when they're home on break, we need to go to their office and let them know what we think of how they are voting or express how we would like them to vote.
0: Right, yeah, it's, it's powerful stuff. Uh, the other things on your list?
1: Yes, um, the uh, budget as well, we know mm. that- Is there a budget? Uh, well, there's, you know, of course there's no, no real budget. What they, we know that once the tax bill passed, they're going to try to, you know, take it out of our paychecks to pay for it. And we have to watch everything Congress does, every single thing. And when it impacts our lives, it it reflects on who we voted for in the first place. Or maybe we didn't vote at all. So I think in the 2018 election, uh, the American people are going to be fully aware. They are tired of what's going on in Congress, and they're going to, go out to the polls, and they're going to vote, and they're going to elect real leaders that support working people from issues of, uh, you know, this tax bill. They have, it's a jobs bill? Get real. Uh, The bill, $15 an hour, people are opposed to that in Congress today. They leave the minimum wage so low that people can't even afford to pay for, you know, the food for their families. Uh, Health care is a big issue in this country. Postal workers are concerned not just about the post office, but they're concerned about their families as well. And we're out there fighting every day to make sure that the democracy in this country uh, is preserved, there's some comeback. And, and it's, it's a bad situation right now.
0: What kind of feedback do you get from your members, from your Postal workers union members on where they see the priorities for for both the union and the country.
1: Well, first the postal workers are you know are looking at their families, and they're seeing that you know post offices are you know closing or threatened to be closed because uh, the postal service is running out of money, Mm. and the postal service is only running out of money because of the fact that they have to pre-fund their health care yeah. of the workers 75 years out at $5 billion a year based on what the government put into place.
0: Yeah, that was a poison pill during, in 2005 during the Bush administration, but I thought that had expired.
1: But they still owe debt to the Postal the Postal Service still owe debt on that. Oh my. Um, they haven't paid the bill since 2012. And they're squeezing uh, the workers, meaning that, you know, without money, they, they're, you know, threatening workers' uh, jobs. And they're threatened, you know, workers' lives by moving post offices uh, or closing post offices. And it's really a bad situation because taxpayer dollars don't pay for the Postal Service. And, you know, a lot of people think that taxpayer dollars pay for the Postal Service. It's the sales that they make that the Postal Service is run off of. And they have not paid this $5 billion bill since 2012.
0: So in, in, in point of fact, if, if Congress, if the Republicans in Congress wanted to destroy the Post Office, if it was funded with public money, they could simply pull the funding. But because they couldn't pull the funding, they changed the rules of the game to say you've got to set aside money to prepay the health insurance expenses of people who are not even born who might work for your union someday. That's crazy.
1: It is crazy. Uh, There is currently a bill, H.R. 756, that will, you know, help pay for this debt that uh, has been growing over the years, Uh, H.R. 756. And APWU and our members support this bill. And we, we just want some relief from the Postal Service. That's great. That's
0: great. Judy Beard, she is the legislative and political director of the American Postal Workers Union. Judy, thank you so much. It's been it's been great meeting you today.
1: Thank you, thank, thank you.
0: you. We'll be back
2: right after this. This is the Tom Hartman program. In just a moment, Cliff Burleson, the uh,
0: Clerk Craft Director of the APW, will be here. Welcome back, and uh, and with me right now is Clint Burleson. He is the Clerk Craft Director for the American Postal Workers Union. Um, uh, apwu.org is the website. Clint, am I mispronouncing your last name? You got it right. Word? Oh, Perfect. great. Yeah. Well, thank you. So, uh, what does the Clerk Craft Director do? Those are, are words that I'm right.
5: Well, hear. so you know, craft is uh, workers are often divided into crafts they have as certain types of jobs they do ah. so we have three crafts we have uh the clerk craft which is the largest craft over 100,000 workers they're the ones who work at the window they work in the back getting the mail delivered mm-hmm. um and then we have the maintenance craft doing maintenance type of work custodial uh, fixing the machines and we have motor vehicle craft that does the driving between the post offices, and actually we have support services type of people who do IT type of work as well. Mm-hmm. So you have these different crafts, and um, so I'm the clerk craft director. Ah,
0: so you uh, have so the, so you have a, a a peer, a colleague in each one of these. Yes, roles.
5: and so we but you know we try to ignore that and just work together as one yeah, one union.
0: Yeah, basically. that's that's great. Yeah. So tell me about the postal service and democracy. How do these things fit together?
5: Uh, sure. Well, in the, in the very beginning, the idea was you know when the When the people were starting the uh, the the new country, they wanted uh, the post office was a big part of it because they wanted people to be informed, right? So they made it so that it was cheap and affordable for people to communicate.
0: This is fourth class mail, basically. Newspapers, newspapers were the were the big thing,
5: right? And so, I mean, they wanted an educated democracy, and and you know, of course, not everybody could vote at the time, right? Right. But but Frederick Douglass, for example, Frederick Douglass, the escaped slave, uh, you know, he fought abolition. He you know, he had a newspaper. And he was able to distribute and get their information out to people to, to uh, you know, influence the debate. Yeah. And so all these alternative types of things that, where people were able to express themselves without necessarily commercial uh, money, right. just kind of like what you've done, right, on this yeah. show, right? I mean, I'll, first, I wanted like to thank you and Louise and Free Speech TV for providing this kind of alternative voice to the commercial media that's so much needed, right?
0: Well, thank you, Clyde. Um yeah, Postal Service and democracy are intertwined. What, what about the influence of the larger mailers? It? So it's,
5: it should be, right, in the beginning that one, one, one rate for all people, all mm-hmm. over. So from, you know, from New York to California, the same price goes, right? right, and everybody pays the same. Well, the mailers, the large mailers started to say, well, you know, we're doing this large volume, so we should have to pay less. So they've been arguing for less all along. So they're getting these large the discounts. Third class mail thing. Yeah, the second class of advertising right. mail. Second. And even, even on first class, if mm-hmm. they have a large volume, they've been getting discounts. Right. So they're getting these large discounts and they want more and more discounts. And what happens when they have these discounts is they've set up these private shops now, like Pitney Bowes owns them, um, other, other corporations like that. And they've come out of the blue. So you have these corporations pre-sorting the mail for these discounts. Right. And the owner is making millions. And the workers are making, like, minimum wage. Mm. And so there's a transfer of work also from the post office where there's union jobs, paying decent wages. Um, The top of the guy, the top, you know, the postmaster general makes maybe $300,000 a year. So it's a very more equitable uh, distribution of income. And then you go to the private, and the workers are paying minimum wage, and the CEO is getting $8 million a year. Wow. So this discount thing, it's not only bad for workers, but it also makes it hard for a new, like, like a new magazine wanting to come in. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that volume, right? Yeah. You have to pay, it's harder to get into the game.
1: Yeah. So yeah, people
5: yeah. like Time Warner is interested in keeping you know, other people out, for example.
0: Yeah, yeah I, uh, Louise and I saw that years ago. We, we, uh, we used to own an ad agency and we also did seminars all around the country. We dropped about two million pieces of mail a month And um, if it was pre-sorted, you got a different price, and there were companies that would do the pre-sorting for you. In fact, some of the printers that we used would do the pre-sorting for us. But it wasn't, this was back in the 90s, early 90s, it wasn't a giant industry at that time. It was just a a service that was sometimes added on. So you're trying to say, basically, if sorting is being done, or even pre-sorting is being done, we do it here at the post office?
5: We should. And they've just given too much of a discount now, so they're incentivizing. It's kind of like right. privatizing by incentivizing. Yeah. Giving these discounts, it's privatizing the post office. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it's a, that's a good one. The long lines at the post office, what, what, what are you, what are right. you doing Right, okay, so let's
5: go back a little bit and to- And with the holiday season. Yeah, you mentioned the PAEA, Postal Accountability Enhancement Act, where they, they applied the yeah. uh, pre-funding mandate, right. Right? right? So they have to fund, so they made a manufacture crisis with the pre-funding right. and with a price cap. So there's a price cap on postage. Uh-huh. Which is, who, who, who has that, right? What business right. has that? So there's a postage cap on an index that doesn't really apply to an organization like the Postal Service. So now they're, they're stuck. They don't have enough money, which they wanted, right. and so they're making cuts. And one way they want to make cuts is by uh, reducing the people going to the post office. Why? Because the, because the large mailers don't care about that. They don't go to the post office, right? right? So they figure, let's have people like Staples do it. Let's have Office Depot, you know, deal with the mail. We were fortunate we have an organizer president. We stopped the staple, we had a successful campaign to stop staples from outsourcing our mail basically. Wow! But that's what they're continually trying to do. So they short staff the window and they have a sign saying, you know, go over here for your postal needs or something like that, or go online or use com or or whatever. So they're they're encouraging people to go away from the post office. And the the who benefits the large mailers are benefiting because it kind of reduces their overall institutional costs.
0: Yeah, remarkable. Clint Burleson, he is Burleson, he is the clerk. Craft director here at the American Postal Workers Union, APWU.org. Clint, thanks so much for being with us.
5: Thank you very much. Great meeting you. Great meeting you. Thank you. We'll be back. Stick around.
0: Hey, everybody's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that one of the most powerful superfoods you can put into your body is beets? They're loaded with an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to eat a pile of beets every day? Not me. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful, concentrated superfood drink, superbeets. Only superbeets is made from beets grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Superbeets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of superbeats for free, plus indicator strips to see how superbeats is working for you, and free shipping. So call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. That's 800-568-9889 tomsbeats.com on the interwebs.
2: This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back, Tom Hartman here with you
0: live from the American Postal Workers Union, the APWU.org, APWU.org is the website. And uh, Mark Dimonstein, the president is back with us. Mark, welcome.
3: Thank you and uh, welcome to APWU. Well, Glad thank you, to have
0: you here. Thank you for the space to use to do our Anytime. show from. It's, it's so nice, it looks just great. So, um, uh, Uh, Amazing stuff that you guys are doing. Tell tell us about the Grand Alliance.
3: Well, we've, uh, look, we have the the United States Postal Service is a wonderful institution that belongs to the people of this country. And it's under pressure by those who would rather have it in private sector hands, those who can make a profit. But that is going to also undermine who gets service. The post office is in constant in the Constitution, but if it becomes a, it's, it belongs to everybody, everybody has the right to service no matter who we are, where we live, how much money we make, what color skin we have, and so on and so forth. Uh, but those who would like to uh, privatize it, all that gets into jeopardy, right? Yeah. If it, it's a question of who makes a quick buck, then maybe I can't go to your house because I can't make a buck going to your house and you don't have service anymore. So we have uh, reached out to the public uh and help build a grand alliance to save our public postal service. Hmm. It's at a dot org. Uh understanding that uh it belongs to the people, but the people of the country have to make sure it stays in their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh it's got over eighty national organizations, about hundred and fifty if we add in local and state organizations, uh other unions. Civil rights organizations, faith-based organizations, community organizations, an organization like the name of the National Council of Churches, with 80 million uh, members, who all understand that the post office is really a central part of of what we need in this country, uh, in terms of our communication, in terms of our rights to privacy, in terms of the sanctity of the mail, and so on and so forth. So, uh, you know, for those who are interested, there are a couple great videos on the uh, website of GrandAlliance.org one from Willie Nelson the great country singer mm-hmm. uh talking about the post office one from uh actor social activist Danny Glover mm-hmm. whose parents were postal workers oh, wow. uh and they're uh and union activists yeah. and they uh they, they they're very short you could uh anybody who's listening could look it up share it with your uh, friends and family and let's spread the word about uh, uh how we're going to keep the post office vibrant for generations to come as it should be
0: yeah amen and and tell me why it is important to have a public post office not just in the context of not getting ripped off but in the context of a democratic Republic
3: well it again it's it's so the mission of the Postal Service is universal service at uniform rates that's the mandate that's the mandate that's the that's the mandate of, of the law mm. uh, and of course its foundation goes back to the very Constitution itself right. so um, that enables everybody to have access, whether you're uh, low income, high income, uh, rural or city. Uh, you know The idea, imagine putting 49 cents on a letter and going from Washington DC to Los Angeles, or to Alaska, or to Florida, or New York, or across the street. Uh, so it, it, it provides everybody, the principle is it provides everybody equal access, a flow of information and ideas, Uh, And once it leaves the public domain, all of that becomes in jeopardy because it becomes somebody's bottom line. Uh, And in fact, you know, look, there are other companies in the package parcel business. The the workers are doing a good job and working hard at those companies, too. But companies like UPS and FedEx put millions of packages in the postal stream because they can't make a dollar going to rural Vermont, where my sister lives on a dirt road, for example. So it shows that even other businesses and, and those engaged in commerce need the post office. And in the day of e commerce, where the world is changing. I mean my children, they're grown, uh, adults, they have they have children themselves, but they don't use the post office like my wife and I use it. Mm-hmm. But they shop online.
6: Mm-hmm. And
3: guess what? Somebody's gotta deliver that package.
1: Right, and a lot of in the post
3: office. Every a lot of it's in the post office, but then everybody if everybody's gonna have equal access to e commerce. You're going to have to have a public infrastructure that can then deliver. Right. And the post office is positioned like nobody else to uh, do that. And we think there's tons of things that the post office can do to, to even further serve the people of the country. Like we talked bank. earlier about postal banking, financial services, paycheck cashing. Uh, we are promoting vote by mail, which I know you're going to talk about a little more in the next segment I've talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I mean, if people can get creative. Why can't the post office... Have charging stations in front of post office for those who want to use electric vehicles and deal with some of the environmental crisis we're facing in that way. But the post office really is ours, ours meaning the people's, and we can use it in much more
0: creative ways. My recollection, and and, you know, uh, our recollections aren't always accurate, but my my recollection was especially as we
3: get older, Tom.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's not go down that road, Mark. Um, (laughs) Was that back in 2005 during the Bush administration? Um, just before the republicans put this poison pill in that the postal service had to set aside 5 billion dollars every year for people who aren't even born yet right. um, just to kneecap them that the in 2004 the post office either announced or an either announced an action or an investigation into the possibility of an action to replace i I just remember this really clearly maybe it wasn't the post office that said it maybe it was a private group but they but they pointed out that They've got the largest fleet of vehicles in the United States, and that most of these vehicles are used on a rel- relatively local basis. That's right, and that they don't go long distances; they go house to house to house to house, right. and they're perfectly positioned to become electric vehicles, and so the or at the or at the very least hybrids. And the Postal Service was looking into greening their fleet, and of course the you know this five billion dollar year hit the, the Republicans put on them in two thousand five. Uh, took that whole conversation off the table. Am I remembering something wrong?
3: I, you know, I don't know myself on the exact years. I do know that the post office has been willing to look at a greening of the fleet if they had the capital to look that way. Right. Uh, I know our sister union, the letter carriers, is certainly open to that. But they, of course, want the safest possible vehicles. Of course. And, yeah. You know, because their folks are going to be driving them. But I think we're all very open to that and we encourage the post office to do it. But I do want to add one thing to to your comment. It did the postal um, accountability enhancement act of 2006 did strip the post office of any capital to do those kind of innovative things at that point but it was a bipartisan vote yeah. there was no republic it was at the end of the bush uh, it was in the bush administration not at the end it was in the middle but there was no dissenting vote on that well, postal I, accountability know, enhancement act
0: i asked bernie about this on the air and cuz he voted for it as did most of the other democrats right. i was like how did you vote for this and he said i had no idea that there was that five billion dollar kicker in there that was thrown in like literally the day before it the was boat.
3: well that's a very interesting thing because it was actually in what they call the lame duck session the last day the last night right so that's probably very accurate so the
0: democrats and got snookered and the republicans
3: got snookered or some or some of them may have been asleep at the switch yeah. and uh you know it's it's possible that the unions weren't as vigilant as we needed to have been at the time too, yeah. and of course maybe nobody I shouldn't say nobody but maybe some didn't realize that the economic crisis was around the corner and that certainly exacerbated what happened oh, yeah. with the Postal Accountability Enhancement Act. Yeah. But um, anyway, there's there's a back to the you know there's a lot of creative things that the Post Office can and should be doing. Uh, and are doing it in other, in other countries, so we uh, look to do some of those things as well. Yeah, You know, a- we, we we're very keen on the postal workers uh, having good, safe, uh, dignified working conditions and making a good living. We think it helps our families and our communities. But we're also very strong that we want the best service to the people of the Country, and we're very proud. Our 200,000 members are very proud of the work we do, and I know that's true of just about all postal
0: workers. Me too. Mark Dimmestein, thank you so much for being Tom, with thanks us today. Thank
3: you so much for having me, and ke- yeah. keep up the good work helping to be a voice to the 99%. There we you go. It.
2: Thank you, sir. Take care. We'll be, we'll be back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. In just a moment, uh, Debbie
0: Seredi will be with us, uh, the Vice President, Executive Vice President of the Postal Tom Hartman here with you, and uh, very happy to have with us here in the studio, <laughs> at, at your union, Yes, Debbie Siretti. She is the the uh, executive vice president of the APWU, or of the Postal Workers Union. Right. And Debbie, thank you for joining us. Am I thank you for your last having name? us.
4: Yes, Siretti. It it's, was perfect. Oh, yep. good. Oh, good. Thank
0: you. So tell me about the, this democracy initiative that you all are working
4: okay, on. Okay. Well, the democracy initiative started in 2013. And uh, one of the reasons why APWU got involved is because right now we're really trying to get our members to understand that they have to be activists. We can't just depend on the union stewards, the officers, anymore. It's become a situation where we all have to get involved. So um, when we tell them that we want them to get involved in the community, um, to be able to represent our um, customers and to help them as well. Um, the whole point is is um, we've got to show that we're doing the same thing. So here at the headquarters level, as Mark just talked about, we have the Grand Alliance, but we also signed on to Democracy Initiative. And Democracy Initiative is about 64 organizations. Um, most of them are national organizations nationwide, and they represent about 35 million. Um, workers. But we got to get those workers out there to be activists. Mm. So um, this organization, actually, Larry Cohen, one of your friends, uh, was Mm. one of the uh, co-founders yeah, of, he's the um, former democracy. president of the Communication
0: Workers Union, and yes, uh, he's, and, uh, board chair of Our Revolution, and we did our show Monday from his place.
4: Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a good he's guy. In, oh, wonderful. Good so guy. yeah, so the Democracy Initiative is not just unions. We're talking about organizations like Sierra Club, uh, Greenpeace, um, Jobs with Justice, um, Democracy groups. So this is like a number of groups pulling together because we want to fight for social issues. Um, economic issues and about voting rights getting our voting rights back right. so and taking money out of politics That's
0: is there a, a website for the democracy Initiative? yes
4: Democracyinitiative.org.: dot org
0: okay and and for people who are listening right now uh, is there a way to participate in the democracy initiative and and, and what are your short-term and long-term goals
4: Okay, so yes, so um, if you want to get involved, go to the website, Um, you can sign on. Um, But also, all of the organizations have their people Um, throughout the country getting involved in activities. So like some of the activities that we've been involved in recently, um, a couple of them that were winners Mm -hmm. (laughs) because those are nice to have. I mean, you can't win unless we act collectively. Um, But in Illinois, they just passed the automatic registration um, voting rights. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a wonderful thing, um, and we were part of that. And then also here in Howard County in Maryland, we got a small donor a uh, fair election uh policy mm-hmm. and it's going to take place in 2022 mm-hmm. but it's a step in the right direction taking money out of politics and yeah. allowing candidates who don't have the money to be able to to participate in a campaign fairly yeah
0: that's important so, stuff it's very yes. important stuff so uh long term you know where do you want to be and in what kind of time frame 5 years 10 years 20 yeah, years yeah
4: so we we have we have some um uh, actual goals to um, and we have plans for up to 2020 um, a number of them is going state by state trying to get more voter rights uh, similar to situations that where we have oregon washington and colorado that are already a uh, vote by mail we're looking at going into states and again trying to get them better voting rights um, and vote by mail so that's kind of an exciting thing. Um, yeah. We're also looking at getting more small donor campaign programs so that people can run for office. How do, those, um,
0: how do you, in a small donor campaign program, you, you just mentioned there's a community that just did this.
4: Yes, in um, uh, Howard County.
0: Howard County, Maryland? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, how do they deal with a candidate on the other side who says, you know, I don't want to take the small money. I'm going to take money from the Koch network, you know, and, and I'm going to take twenty million bucks from the coke network so you're a little you know five million dollars that you get from the, the small donor i mean is, how do you do it
4: i think what it, what the program really does is it helps the person who doesn't have the money but who wants to run so, it so the that the playing field right so to level the playing field for you know you're not going to be able to provide them all the monies that the other candidate has right. um but you're just going to give them enough that they'll be able to have a fair chance right. um so it's not really where you're limiting The person who has all the money.
0: (laughs) We had this for um, a year or two in Portland, and and the city council put it in, and then ultimately they took it back out again. But um, the way it worked was every time the 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 city would put up, if you got five thousand people to sign a petition and give you five bucks, or maybe it was a thousand people, I think, um, then the city would give you a hundred thousand dollars. And anytime your opponent spent more than a hundred thousand dollars, it became a matter of public record, and the city matched that. To the mm-hmm. person who took the matching money, oh wow! And so the the, the guy who ended up being mayor, um, uh, his opponent was a lobbyist for one of the dirty companies. You know, one of the, uh, I forget what. Um, and uh, every time she took more money, it became a front page news story, and that's you know that that that's didn't help her campaign. Right so
4: anyway for what it's worth yeah yeah so so really so the democracy initiative is also involved in immigration rights it's also involved in uh getting voter rights back um uh for those that have served their time in jail um And have had the rights taken away. And uh, so I think there's just a number of things that we're looking forward to doing. And hopefully we'll get more organizations to sign on. That's
2: great. We have to wrap it up. But, Debbie, thank you so much. Thanks so much. And just a second. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Debbie Ceretti, Executive Vice President of the Postal Union. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Great
4: having you. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: We'll be back. Welcome back. Tom Harman here with you, broadcasting live from the headquarters of the American Postal Workers Union. The APWU.org is their website. And uh, another tip of the hat, and many thanks to them for letting us use this space today. Timothy in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Timothy, thanks for listening to X-Ray FM. What's on your mind?
7: Hey, Tom. Love your show. Honored to speak with you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to bring to your attention a, I'm sure you've probably seen it by now, it's been out for a little while. Robert Reich's uh, new documentary on Netflix It's called Saving Capitalism. It's really good. I highly suggest people watch it. It's a great, great documentary. I have,
0: I've heard great things about it, Timothy. I've been on the road this last week and haven't had time to even take a good deep breath, so <laughs> I you know, it, but it's on my list. I've, I've heard it's really yeah. good.
7: And then uh, so. one, one other question uh, is what do you think on a personal level Do you think this current FCC is going to successfully kill net neutrality? I mean, it just seems like corporate media aren't really explaining to people enough about net neutrality, and they're not speaking against killing net neutrality and what this can do to uh, Internet.
0: What we're watching, Timothy, what we're watching right now is the slow but steady Erosion of democratic standards, small D democratic standards in the United States, um, the, or for that matter, the standards of a of a constitutionally limited republic, small R, uh, and and we're finding that those democratic standards and institutions are being replaced by capitalist institutions and standards, essentially by free market, um, you know, uh, raw. Aggressive, uh, destructive capitalism, and and this is now the cancer stage of capitalism, which is oligarchy, and that's what's happening. Jimmy Carter said it on this program. You know, the United States is no longer a democracy. We we are now ruled by un, by oligarchs with unlimited political bribery. That was his phrase, and 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 President Carter was absolutely right. The only thing that we can do about this is educate everybody we can, get people informed, get people registered to vote, and get people out there because the only way to defeat money power is with people power. We've got to do it. Timothy, well said, thanks for the call. Brian in uh, Albert Lee, Minnesota. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind today?
8: Hey, Tom, love your show. It's great to be on. I just wanted to say something about uh, Franken. Yeah, I'm one of his constituents. Uh, he seems like he's got nothing to lose right now. Like, I I would. I wonder how if he, he could join the Republican Party. They wouldn't kick him out, right? <laughs> He could temporarily <laughs> join the Republican Party and then just uh, you know, wait till this ethics investigation, let Mitch McConnell come out and say he wants him to resign and you know, point out the hypocrisy. It would kind of be a frank and move wouldn't it, you know, a little funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, if he joined the Republican Party, first he'd have to start attacking all the women and uh, you know, then he'd have to, to claim that nothing happened. I mean, there's a playbook, right? Uh, that would be difficult
8: for him to that, do, probably, but yeah, he would have to turn his principles completely upside down.
0: Yeah, I don't think Al's going to do that, but that's a it's a it's a it's an ironic uh, ironic point. Brian, thank you for the call. Well said, Jim, watching Free Speech TV in Los Angeles. Hey Jim, what's on your mind today?
7: Hey, Professor Harmon. Uh, give me a moment to shout out to all the millennials and boomers in Alabama. Get out there and and, and vote Tuesday and, and knock on doors for for the weekend. And all your progressive listeners, you know, take a road trip to Alabama this is so important if we can win this we have to win back the house and the senate the senate's a tough lift the house i i'm pretty sure is going to flip i'm going to work my butt off to to get all 14 republican us congressmen out of california and and but every student in Alabama, you know, know that uh, Republicans are taking away your chance to get a master's and a doctorate unless you're rich, and yeah. and and carpool and get out there and and vote and, and you know there's
0: yeah and and apropos of your call on California and the 14, there is a website called Flip the 14, f l i p t h e one Flip the 14. And uh, they're identifying the 14 Republican members of Congress from California who have been consistently voting against the interest of their state and, uh, you know, of the state. And spot on, Jim. Jim, thanks a lot for the call. Damien in Manorville, New York. Hey, Damien, thanks for listening to us on hey, CSXM. What's doing? on your mind um, today?
6: Um, Great. Uh, good. Listen, I'm a, little, um, I'm a pretty hardcore conservative, but uh, I have to say, I'm, I'm very nervous about the climate today, uh, political climate. I mean, um, look, I think – I know it's a government and legal term due process, but I, I, I think we're going down a real bad, uh, bad way, dead road here because uh, Al Franken, yes, that bad picture, I get it. And I don't like Al Franken. I'm a Ted Cruz supporter. He's railed against Ted Cruz over and over and over again, and um, and I think he's real smug Al Franken. But at the same time, Al Franken – has a right to due process and i'm sorry all the people in your party that sold this guy out without seeing all the facts it's very scary i could just ask you this tom if your son was accused of sexually harassing someone and he said to you dad i never did that should you say you know what son you were you you were accused i'm sorry you should be fired and i should never work again I mean, I I think that this is the the path we're going. If there's evidence against your son, then darn well he should be fired. But if there isn't, prove it. We should be innocent until proven guilty, and it's wrong. It's wrong if it's against John Conyers. It's wrong if it's it's against Al Franken. And it's wrong against Roy Moore, who his lawyer asked Gloria orl let's have a third-party handwriting analysis, and she intends silence. I'm not saying that Roy Moore is innocent, but that really sheds some some doubt here to me. What do you think?
0: What I think is that women have been afraid to speak up for centuries, for millennia, for thousands and thousands of years. Patriarchy, male power, and particularly white male power, has has ruled. Has you know has has built empires and destroyed empires and et cetera, et cetera, and. Uh, there's there's a real downside to that, and we're seeing it in the destruction of our world in many ways, frankly, and and I think that as we make this transition from a patriarchal, hierarchical, white male-dominated culture to an inclusive culture that includes people of color and women on an equal basis with white men, and we are nowhere close to that right now, Damien. You and I, as as white men, have far more privilege than any of these people. Um, there's gonna be some collateral damage and I would say that Al Franken is collateral damage in this, you know, assuming that he that he is not quite the villain he's been made out to be. But that's just, I mean, you know, that that happens in revolutions. But Damien, can you imagine how you would feel if you woke up tomorrow morning and walked into the, walked into the bathroom to shave, looked in the mirror and discovered that you had awoken as a person of color or as a black woman for that matter? You you know, our brains are all the same. We think the same. We feel the same. We we hurt the same. We love the same. But how would your life change if suddenly you were female or black or both? Damien
6: should be afforded due process. I mean, my God. Yeah. Okay. All
0: right. all right. (laughs) All right. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. we're just recycling the argument. Yeah, Yeah, I just like. Talking to white men have to get this right. Uh, anyhow, end of rant. Bill in Godfrey, Illinois. Hey, Bill, what's up?
8: Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm calling in particular to encourage my other Illinoisans to call our Senator Dick Durbin and have him sign on to this letter that's been sent to adjut Pie over at the FCC to delay the decision on net neutrality. That's going to be, okay. take place this Thursday. Um, he is not signed on to that letter. He is, a, of course, a supporter of net neutrality. Now, our junior senator Tammy Duckworth has signed that letter. Um, and then, more more generally, I would encourage people across the nation, if you're concerned about net neutrality, call your senators and have them sign on to that letter. Let's delay this until we know. Uh, apparently, there is uh, some uh, indication that there may be fake comments that uh, were botted into the FCC. You know, okay, during the open comment period. Yeah.
0: it's not just also, an indication. It's it's a fair certainty. Bill, I'm sorry we're out of time. I, I, I hate to cut you off just as you're saying also, but you got to do it. Uh, it's the end of the show. It's the end of the week. We've had a great time in Washington, D.C. We'll be back in Portland next week. Lord willing, and the snow doesn't get us. And in the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. That includes you. And there's a million ways, I mean literally a million ways, to participate in democracy. All kinds of great groups, all kinds of great things you can do. So get out there, get active, show up, tag, you're it. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you on Monday.
2: You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.